It's time. John Gruden's our guest, head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. JT the Brick, great talking to you. Hope you're well, man. It's time. Well, you know how we want to play, JT. You know me probably better than anybody out there. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We're going to play old school football. JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Can't wait to play in that stadium and get this party started. You got no idea. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Uh, JT, back with you. Second hour of the show. We're wide open for the first 20 minutes here before i got a couple of great guests lined up. If you want to get through, dial now on the key to Pittsburgh. If you still want to recap Baltimore, no problem with that. That was a game of a lifetime. If you'd like to get right into the game plan against Pittsburgh, tomorrow I'll be at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center interviewing John Gruden. I'll do that every Thursday. That'll be for the Silver and Black Show. We had a great interview. Uh, we kicked off the show with the first one. It was a long one. Uh, now we're going to get back to basics. I'm probably going to get anywhere from 7 to 10 minutes with Coach Gruden once a week in person. And then we'll play that Friday on the radio ahead of these games. So the grid is set up. Our guests are set up. We got the best insiders lined up. I mean, I've been working on this show since we launched here. And to have Tom Flores and Jim Plunkett, Vic Tafer. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor, Vince Sapienza, our good friends from Fox 5, Kevin Bollinger, Chris Matthews coming up on Friday, uh, Bill Williamson, all the insiders that I put on this show are for a reason. They're the best of the insiders, and we'll have them in a two-week block. So some guys come on one week, the other guys come on behind them, and we try to give you the best content that you deserve here as a Raider fan. Mark Anderson. Every other Monday with his information. Steph McKenzie, we have her on twice a month. I could talk to Steph every week. And that's what we're doing here. And then we put in some of these national guests that I'm able to get and book through my SiriusXM contacts or what we're doing with our local connections here in the AFC West. And just people I've been interviewing for over 20 years who are new or some of the new ones that we broke in. Joe Fortenball, who's now with ESPN, another radio host. You know, I love putting radio hosts on the air because they're prepared. Last week we had on Nasty Nestor and Jerry Coleman in Baltimore, and now i got to find someone for Pittsburgh, and I'll get that done here. 888 is not the number. Bobby says the number is 702-365-9200 if you want to get in. I'm off on Monday for a high honor. I get to MC Jonathan Ogden, the Hall of Famer who lives here in town. He and his wife have a beautiful foundation. They have a golf tournament coming up, and I dedicated my day to them and trying to help raise money for their foundation. So there's a big week here ahead of Pittsburgh. Then we come off Pittsburgh, and we get ready for the Miami game, which the Miami game is a big deal for me because two of my best friends are coming out of my whole life. My cousin Gino, who's my blood, and then my best friend I grew up with since I've been in first grade, and they're coming out here. They want to see the stadium. My wife's out of town that week, and that's the game that I think is a really big game. I don't use the word make or break until the playoffs are in question. But the reason the Miami game is so important is I expected the Raiders to split their first two games. I did not expect them to beat Baltimore and Pittsburgh. I did not. Be nice, and they can still do it, which would be great, not nice. But the Miami game is a game that they have to have. And then they go into the Chargers, who are vastly improved. I I think there's a little bit too much hype that we're seeing. A little bit too much hype with the Chargers. But I could be wrong. The Chargers could be very good this year, especially with Derwin James coming back. So with all those games, 
If you would tell any Raider fan, hey, would you take a split after four? I think most Raider fans would say, yeah, would I sign up? The best case scenario would be three and one after four. And then the schedule opens up, and I think the Raiders can stockpile some wins. But I didn't like the beginning of this schedule, the first two games on the road. And now with all the injuries, the Raiders are going to have to play a much cleaner game. They played an explosive game against Baltimore. They were very good against Baltimore from the third quarter on. And they have to make sure they're better early at Pittsburgh because you know Pittsburgh wasn't very good at Buffalo. They trailed 10 nothing early. The Raiders trailed 14 nothing early. And both Pittsburgh and the Raiders won. You don't want to get that Pittsburgh crowd into the game, everybody. It's their home opener. They have great home openers. The weather's going to be great. That's a positive for the Raiders is that they don't have to go into snow and wind and cold. They're playing Pittsburgh in summertime conditions, I hope. And for those who always ask, what about the Raiders playing a 10 a.m. Pacific start? Good question. I think that John Gruden had him practicing at 7 in the morning the entire offseason. Their body clocks will be ready for that game. But they're, they're signing people off practice squads of other teams now to try to add to the depth. And that's when Mike Mayock comes into play. For those who have been critical of Mayock and want to see more players shine and, and play better, the ones that Mayock drafted, I think it's very important to point out that Mike Mayock brought in K.J. Wright and Denzel Perryman and was a part of that with Gus Bradley and getting Casey Hayward to come here. You know, a lot of Raider fans aren't giving Mike Mayock credit for the depth that he added very quickly here for this team, and that, that depth is going to be tested quickly. Jump on in now before Scott Kaplan comes up in about 10 minutes. 702-365-9200. What's your key? What's your key to the win at Pittsburgh? What has to happen to win the game at the Steelers when it's their home opener? Raider 66 in Vegas. You're up next on the flagship. What's happening? Hey, hey, JT. Good, uh, good afternoon. How you doing? Real good. Thank you. Yeah, I want to dovetail off what you were just saying about Mike Mack. Yeah, he's getting a lot of bashing in the media, but the players that he brought in, especially the free agents this year, were very quality players. I mean, you're looking at uh, McCoy. Unfortunately, he got hurt, and, and you know, our hurts go out to him and to good. Uh, we lost two good players in that game. But uh, Perryman, you're talking about, and Gakwe, those guys are keys in the locker room, not just on the field. You hear stories. You heard that clip uh, earlier this year during preseason from uh, Derek Carr when he was walking down the hallway and hearing McCoy and the attention that the defensive mm-hmm. linemen were giving him every word they were hanging on it. That is a huge loss, not having him. I'm hoping that maybe they can sign him as a as an assistant coach, maybe because you know there's no living on coaches. So maybe they can keep that uh, that uh, guy around because uh, his, it's invaluable what he brings. Um, yeah, I'd like to just revisit the game. My, when I, my wife and I were driving to the parking lot, we were taking the bus there. I said, you know, this is like a, a New York Broadway premiere. I mean, this, mm-hmm. this yeah. the atmosphere wasn't just like a, a regular game. And uh, and L. Davis had a lot of slogans. One of them was a will to win. And the Raiders showed that will on Monday night. And I, I got to credit the, the coaches and the players because the coaches were spewing all offseason, you know, this is what we got to do, and the players bought in. And then those veterans that I talked about, they're also a very big key to getting mm-hmm. these guys over the hump. Now, you were talking yesterday about, you know, name the game because it was such a big game. I got a sure. couple of names possibly for that game. One is uh, because of the uh, – the, um, uh, deja vu uh, thing. I I was thinking Jay Javu. Uh, yep, that won't work. Jay Jones and uh, the other one you said you know maybe a, a gambling aspect or a Las Vegas aspect. I'm not a, a, a craps player, but I know the the thing seven come eleven. So I looked it up, 
And on the first roll, which doesn't really count, I guess, that's the touchdown that didn't count. And then 7 or 11, you win. Well, 7 is Zay Jones. 11 mm-hmm. is 7 plus 4. That's Zay Jones plus Derek Carr. So I'm thinking the game is 7 come 11. Thank you for that. You put a lot of thought into that, my friend. Thank you. Uh, 702-365-9200. Vinny Bonsignor just retweeted the Raiders' injury report, and it's massive. Massive for week two, the first injury report. To begin, the Steelers only have four players on it. Ben Roethlisberger, coach's decision, did not participate. Juju Smith, coach's decision, did not participate. For the Raiders, listen to who was out or did not participate. Divine Diablo, ankle. He was full today. Brian Edwards on the injury report. Elbow, full. He played. Cleland Farrell, back, full. Participant today. Now, Denzel Good, knee, did not. He's gone. Jonathan Hankins, knee. He fully participated. Richie Incognito, calf, did not participate. Alec Ingold, fibula, limited. Josh Jacobs, toe and ankle, did not participate. Andre James, elbow, full participant. Nick Witkowski, concussion, did not participate. Dallin Levitt, hip, full. Marcus Mariota, quad, did not participate. Gerald McCoy, knee, done for the year. Carl Nassib, pectoral toe, did not participate. Yannick Ngakwe, hamstring, limited. Denzel Perriman, hip, limited. I mean, what is going on here? Roderick Teamer, ankle, did not participate. This is the injury report from today. Look at how many Raiders are listed on the injury report. Week two, heading into Heinz Field. It is incredible. I mean, it is shocking how many of these players are not available or limited. Vinny tweeted four minutes ago, a whole bunch did not participate. Raiders injury report. It's a big deal. Again, it's a tough situation for John Gruden and his staff this early in the season to have to deal with all these injuries. What is it going to take to get this team completely healthy? 702-365-9200. You should be calling and getting in here. The Raiders are 1-0, and and they're playing the bleeping Steelers from the Immaculate Reception. Sound off if you got a pair. Scott Kaplan, one of my best friends in radio and in life, from ESPN 710 in Los Angeles, kind enough to join us as, I know you watched the game, Cap. It was incredible Monday night. I wish you were with me. How did the game look to you on TV? What a big win for the Silver and Black. Well, what a win, JT. And it's funny you saying this because I was thinking about the whole time, like, most people get done with a game, especially a Monday night game. They get in their car, they hustle home, they try and beat the traffic because they got to get to work the next morning. Uh, but this was the first game with fans in Vegas on a monster win. In fact, I saw your tweet and you were thinking about what would be a good name for that game because it's, it's going to need a Music City Miracle kind of name for the game. But I was thinking to myself, you must have been going out and everybody must have left that stadium and hit the strip and Vegas must have just rocked, like, all night. It was incredible. And, again, I know you living in San Diego on the radio in L.A. and both markets. That Sunday night football win 
for the Rams and then the Chargers getting that game in the nation's capital. I wanted to know from you, who's the king of L.A. football right now? I know from a fan's perspective, the Rams are going to draw more, the Raiders draw more than the Chargers in L.A., but, man, there are two teams now very good in Los Angeles who are you know competing for the back page or the cover story at the L.A. Times and to get on the local news. Who's winning that battle after week one? Well, I'd say the Rams are winning it. Um, the Chargers were across the country, obviously, in Washington, and they played a close game against the team that needed to go to its backup quarterback. Not that Ryan Fitzpatrick is Aaron Rodgers. Not that Aaron Rodgers was Aaron Rodgers this past Sunday. But the, the Chargers were cross-country, and very few people pay attention to them, first, uh, first and foremost, and very few people were paying attention as they went cross-country. Now, the Rams, on the other hand, JT – This was a monumental night in the history of L.A. sports because this stadium that people are seeing on television and and they're like ooing and eyeing, like what is that architectural structure that we're looking at? And then when you go down to the field, the Rams looked very different with Matthew Stafford. And listen, I will tell you, JT, I'm not like 100% all bought in to Matthew Stafford just going to come here and beat Tom Brady, but I will give him credit. He played a great game. But, you know, even like Derek Carl, I mean, that last touchdown throw that he, he threw, that, that's a blown coverage. That's a wide-open you know, shot. Now you got to make the throw. Matthew Stafford had two of those in this game against the Bears. So the stats look great, and he looked great, and the offense looked better and faster and, and you know, more vertical. But you know, Stafford had some, some really easy things come his way. Scott Kaplan is our guest. Yeah. He did, and no doubt about it. And the Rams just have a couple of brilliant players, Ramsey and especially Aaron Donald up front. And you know, the Bears come in, and they're struggling with Andy Dalton. I didn't think they could win that game under any circumstance. But Matthew Stafford, after that game, then he goes to the Clayton Kershaw game and wears his jersey. It just seems yeah, like cool. he got his get-out-of-jail-free card. I like Detroit. We've both been on the radio in Detroit for different parts of our career, but – it almost feels like he's liberated, that he doesn't have to go back to the Lions organization after a win or a loss and prepare for the upcoming game. And he's got this dream scenario in Los Angeles with McVay, Sean McVay, and he could really have the end of his career. He's going to tie up his legacy if this goes right in Los Angeles, which will give him a much bigger boost to get to the Hall of Fame, to get a ring, no to doubt. continue to stockpile no these stats. No, 100%. Listen, I would compare Matthew Stafford to Philip Rivers. And having mm-hmm. been in San Diego the last 20 years, I got to see Philip Rivers' entire career from start to finish. Uh, and the reality is he put up Hall of Fame statistics for a really bad franchise that never won anything. And Stafford's in the same boat. He was on a terrible team, playing for an awful franchise, putting up what you might consider to be Hall of Fame caliber statistics, but there were no W's. So now he comes to L.A. where there's already, J.T., a built-in culture of expectation to win because Sean McVay took this team to a Super Bowl in his second or his third year as the head coach of the team. Um, and so they're not bashful, meaning Sean McVay, Les Snead, the general manager, um, Stafford to some degree, but they're not bashful in saying this is the best team we've had and we've already been to a Super Bowl. We think we can win a Super Bowl this year. Now, of course, a lot of that depends on health along the way. But you're right, Stafford definitely looks like he's living the good life now um, where he and his wife have relocated in Southern California. You had Corey Seager, the shortstop of the Dodgers, and Justin Turner, their third baseman, at the game on Sunday night. 
And now you, you have Kershaw pitching, and that's Stafford's boy from high school. So, yeah, he's there, and he's, he's looking like he's now the quarterback in L.A., which is something that L.A. has not had in a really long time. And even with the return of the Rams, Jared Goff never was the L.A. guy, not like, mm-hmm. you know, the old school. Um, and, and really the Chargers are like a blip on the map. So they didn't, you know, Philip Rivers was living in San Diego, so he wasn't the L.A. guy. Matthew Stafford has taken over. Uh, and we'll see if Justin Herbert keeps up. Scott Kaplan, ESPN 710, Los Angeles, the mightier 1090 in Southern California, based out of San Diego. This Cowboy game's a big deal because the Chargers Huge. now have Huge. Justin Herbert to market and sell tickets. And we know that it's going to take a while for the Charger fans to sell out their own stadium. Now, it's not their stadium. It's the Rams. And you and I have talked about that at length. But the Cowboys come in for the Chargers home opener. And we know that Pittsburgh and the Chargers, excuse me, Pittsburgh and Dallas can draw as good as anyone other than the Raiders in L.A. I'm interested to hear your opinion. How many Cowboy fans just live in Southern California and are going to get their hands on tickets? What's that crowd going to look like for the Chargers home opener with Dallas in town? Well, JT, if any of your listeners, and I'm sure many of them were checking out Hard Knocks on HBO, they saw the Dallas Cowboys preseason. And it's from a town called Oxnard, California, which is, I don't know, 45 minutes or so from Los Angeles. Maybe call it an hour, hour and 20 minutes. But, I mean, it's, it's up the coast a little bit. And the people there are Cowboy fans and Raider fans. Um, but they're, they're, that's where training camp is held. So Jerry Jones has done a great job for many years of cultivating the Southern California audience, first and foremost for the NFL, and secondarily for the Cowboys, and maybe I've got that backwards, but he, he was the guy that helped bring the NFL back to L.A. So it, it is apropos in so many ways that Jerry Jones and the Cowboys will open the stadium with the Chargers. The Cowboys will open the Rams stadium against the Chargers. And I predict, JT, that the Cowboys will be the home team. Uh, the mm-hmm. way the Cowboys and Dak Prescott played, and remember, this is going back to Thursday night against Tampa Bay. We, we've had the whole weekend to forget about what happened last week. Dak Prescott impressed a lot of us who were concerned about his ankle, concerned about his shoulder, and wondering what he was going to look like, and he looked great. So I would think there's going to be, if, if the stadium is going to be 70,000 people, I'm going to say 45 to 50,000 will be Cowboys fans, and probably 20 to 25,000 will be Charger fans. Um, and, and the Cowboys can do this. They can overwhelm a home crowd, but particularly this one, because there are so many Cowboy fans already here in Southern California. Well, if the Chargers win this game, Cowboys are a good team. They're very good. If, they, if the Chargers win this game, they're for real starting off 2-0 and as their schedule opens up for them down the road. This will be a big one. Hey, Scott, as we wrap it up, I was able to watch a little bit of Eli Manning and Peyton Manning do their mega cast, and they brought in all the celebrities to do it. I was blown away, and you cover the media as good as anybody I know. It's not going to beat Monday Night Football. The country's going to tune into the broadcast but rarely has something impressed me that much. There's a lot of new stuff that you and I talk about off the record about television that sucks. Some of these debate shows are the worst debate shows of all time. They're terrible, but they're there as filler. A lot of the shows on cable, Fox Sports 1 or ESPN, are filler. They're garbage. And then their premiere shows are very good. I watch some of this, and I DVR'd it and going to go back and watch it. I think we're on to something big. They're brothers. 
They're legends. They can talk about the game. And if they're going to bring in Barkley and Ray Lewis and Russell Wilson and guys who are off on Monday night to comment on these games, I think this is going to be one of the new ways to watch sports. Well, here's the thing, JT. Um, it already is the way to watch sports. So here's the thing. I'm, I'm like middle-aged white guy in America <laughs> who doesn't realize that they've already been doing this at Barstool where you're not even seeing the game but they're sitting there talking about the game. Um, Sometimes I go on YouTube while I'm watching a football game with my radio show people around me, meaning my my partners, my on-air people, and we're watching the game, and people are watching us on YouTube watching the game. And I'm blown away. Like, who's going to watch me watch a game? But you know how many thousands of kids out there are watching some guy play video games? I mean, the whole media landscape has changed. And credit to Peyton Manning and to Eli Manning and their production company working in association with ESPN, that they're kind of doing it the way they want to do it. You know, they didn't let ESPN force some host on them who has to be the controller of the conversation. These are the two guys that grew up, both high school star quarterbacks, both college star quarterbacks, both NFL star quarterbacks, both two-time Super Bowl champions. They grew up to become the most popular football players in the country and can now do this. And America was fascinated by it. But I'll tell you right now, JP, if that were you and me, um, if that were, you mentioned these debate shows, if that were Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman sitting there, if that were Shannon Sharp and, and uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, uh, Skipper. Skip Bayless. Right? <laughs> if you took all those people, you took you and me, I'm telling you right now, people would watch and they'd be entertained because it's, it's, I can see the game. But I can hear a whole different version of commentary. Um, those guys know football better than anybody on the planet. You and me, we'd just be sitting there doing our thing. But I'm telling you, it's happening, bro. That is, that is ESPN yeah. stealing ideas, which, by the way, I mean, we all steal ideas in the business. But, I mean, that is ESPN taking an idea from YouTubers and, and blogger types and people who are doing this on social media and blowing it up. It was awesome. I loved it. At Scott Kaplan, ESPN 710 in Los Angeles. We have him on at least once a month because he brings exciting content to our radio platform. See you soon, Cap. Thanks for doing this. JT, what a night, man. Enjoy. Thanks, Cap. Hey, I knew you would love it. Scott Kaplan, ESPN 710. And hopefully we get him out here for a game, too. The people that reached out to me about the game a couple of days afterwards You know, the fans that told me, my friends, my buddies back east, anybody who watched the game on TV or my friends that went to the game were blown away. They were absolutely blown away by the game day experience. Will it be like that for every game? Yeah. I mean, every game's not going to be Monday Night Football, but every game could be the first game for a fan base that's coming to Vegas for the first time, obviously Allegiant Stadium for the first time, and their team, if they're out of conference, might not be back for eight years. You know, you might not see that team on the next rotation four years from now. So every game is going to be a party and be exceptionally big. But that one was bigger because of Monday night. Now, what could be bigger than that? Sunday night football is bigger than Monday night now, at least for ratings and size of audience. I think people that are coming out here, I knew a couple of my buddies who came here, especially one, couldn't wait to get the hell out of here on Tuesday morning. He came in on Saturday And he felt like he was here for a month, right, for Vegas. We went out after the game, and I could just see him fading. And he was there, and he had a great time Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and had to get back to his family. A lot of people are going to have a lot of fun here. These early games on Sunday, these day games would be a lot of fun. 
because people are either going to get in their car and head home, but we know most people are going to stay. That means another restaurant. That means another night in a hotel, another trip to the bar, another opportunity to have a great night in Vegas. So with all that lining up here, Vegas with those new commercials that they're running, the best arena on earth, starting to look that way. Life is beautiful. I Heart Music Festival. Former company I worked for, I worked for for 17 years, and 10 of those years they were iHeart, so I got a chance to go to that concert every year when it mattered. Uh, the lineup is nowhere near what it was a decade ago when U2 was playing and the biggest bands in the world were playing. Now it's a little bit of a different demographic, but every weekend we got something big lined up, and this is a big weekend here again. We got the NASCAR playoffs right around the corner. I mean, this place is insane. Something going on every weekend. Jay's in Vegas on 920. Thanks for waiting, Jay. Go ahead. Thanks for taking my call, JT. Uh, you know, still riding off the high for Monday night. Mm-hmm. What a game that was, man. Uh, after hearing you read that uh, injury report, man, it looks brutal. And it makes me think, you know, I think uh, this game is really it's going to come down to the line, the defensive line and the offensive line. First off, with the offensive line, you mentioned uh, earlier about, you know, maybe putting a tight end next to uh, uh, Leatherwood to yep. kind of help out. You might have to put in a, a running back also to help Chip. Um, I don't sure. I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a safe thing to run an empty backfield, kind of like what we did uh, on Monday, especially with that defense, especially with T.J. Watt. I mean, it's, it's going to be difficult. Um, so I think, man, having a running back back there and, and along with a tight end, whether it be Waller or Moreau, uh, to kind of help out Leatherwood. Also, I think Derek Carr could help out Leatherwood. And I know Raider fans ain't gonna want to hear this, but we, we might not have we might not have that deep game. If we can run some mm-hmm. short intermediate passes, get the ball out of Derek Carr's yeah. uh, hands quickly, I think that'll that'll really help out Leatherwood. Um, as far as the defensive side, to be honest with you, man, I think the defense with that rotation that they got going on, they looked a lot fresher at the end of the game than Baltimore did. And I think we need to run a lot more of that, uh, get that rotation going. I know it's, you know, it's, it's a bad break with McCoy uh, going down. But you know what? We cannot have Cleveland Furrow be a healthy scratch. He needs no. to be on that lineup, and he needs to show up. Um, you know, uh, I think with that, with that rotation, you know, Ben Roethlisberger is no Lamar Jackson. You know, I think we're going to have some opportunities here to get another two sacks especially the way Max Crosby came out, man, unbelievable. Well, they're going to double-team Max. They're going to be double-team Max. i got to run. we got another guest coming up. Really appreciate your call. We, they're going to double-team Max, and you're right about Cleveland. Cleveland, all I care about now is how he handles this demotion. That's it. He went to Clemson. He was a captain, a national champion. He's hitting the first adversity in his pro career. How does he handle it? And he's got to handle it well. He's got to say, hey, man, the next game I play, Cleveland got a big break here, but it's very unfortunate for the team. McCoy's gone for the year, and Yannick Ngakwe's got a hamstring. With that, you should see more of Klee. And he's got to be fast, and he's got to be impactful. I noticed how much strength I thought he put on in the offseason. I noticed that he looked big and physical. And he's got to come in saying, my career is on the line. He's a fourth overall pick in the NFL draft. He's not going anywhere. And if he's not a Raider for life, he'll be somewhere else. But he's got a great opportunity to step up and do something great. Let's see if he can do this. Modelo. Oh, I love Modelo, and I love talking about him. And official Cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders. 
Modelo Especial, brewed with time, effort, and determination to create the model Mexican lager. The franchise, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, on deck. I think he had uh, a good day on the stat sheet. We were pleased with his performance. He and Jermaine Illumino just got here. They're just starting to make friends, and uh, they played critical roles on short notice. So did K.J. Wright. But that's what uh, pro football is all about. Great job by Richard Smith, our linebacker coach, and Tom Cable to get these guys ready to contribute. Well, Tom Cable's got his hands full because the Raiders' offensive line is decimated already. They are. Denzel Good gone. Richie Incognito's never available. And they have three new starters on the right side. So they got to step up and play. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton joins us every two weeks, and he could cover everything in sports, a former play-by-play voice for both the Chargers and the Seahawks. Lee, great to talk to you as we kick off real football. And what is it like for you? Because I know you detail it on your website with all of these injuries. Week one and players gone for the year. Does it look like a common occurrence now or more than you've seen in years past? Nice to chat with you again, JT. I just think injuries, because it's such a big, fast, violent, physical game, are just now commonplace. Uh, And your scouting staff and your coaches better make the right decisions, not only on who your starters are, but who the number twos are. And if there's somebody you can stash on the practice squad that you think you can fast forward in development, I think scouting right now, just because of the injury factor in the league, is just absolutely huge. And you take this and then link it to the fact we're gone to a 17-game schedule with only one off week. I just think the roster attrition is going to be a significant part of who's playing at the end of the season and going to postseason play. So, yeah, injuries have always happened, but it's, it's just I think it's bigger right now. You nailed that. In order to have players on a practice squad who can step up and play is imperative with teams, especially on the offense and defensive line, and to be able to have next man up and the players be productive is very important. Let's start with the AFC West. I thought Cleveland had Kansas City dead to right. With a running game like that and the talent that they have with their pass rush and the quality of their players on the offensive line, when they have a lead like that in Kansas City, Lee, they got to put it away. Kansas City could have dropped week one. Cleveland could be undefeated. How critical is this game going to be late in the season? Well, it only counts as one of 17, and if Cleveland can stay healthy, and that includes those two vibrant running backs, obviously the quarterback and the pass rush guys, stay healthy, this won't be crippling. However, the rule book says you got to play 60 minutes against that guy, that guy being Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, and you just saw the thing get away from them. I was pretty impressed with the rebuilt Kansas City offensive front. I mean, they had mm-hmm. four new starters offensively there. I, I think that as the season grows, Andy Reid expands the playbook. Kansas City is still the team to beat until somebody derails them or they have injuries derail themselves. I still think Kansas City is elite. Cleveland's knocking at the door. I think the Browns right now are at the doorstep of being and a, a unique and dominant team in the AFC. That's just one weekend, but they've been building towards this thing the last couple of years. Hacksaw's our guest. I thought the Raiders showed a lot of grit. They were down 14 nothing with Lamar Jackson. If he doesn't turn the ball over and fumble, especially in overtime, I think Baltimore's got a good chance to win. 
we touch on these injuries. The Raiders are hurt heading into Pittsburgh. What'd you like? What'd you see from the Raiders to you that looked different from the past? I liked every facet of the offensive side of the football. I still have reserved judgment because there's lots of games to be played about what they've tried to do defensively. They've upgraded the linebacking core, buying, renting a bunch of veterans who I think will contribute. Uh, they played really, really hard. I mean, uh, Mad Max, uh, I thought, had maybe the best game of his career, even if it didn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. He disrupted a lot of things, but the, the proof will be in the pudding. Can the Raiders get the other guy off the field? Can the Raiders not give up big plays? Can the Raiders hold him out of the end defensively? Offensively, I think Derek Carr just continues to be gifted. I think he's a really underrated quarterback. And if they can keep their offensive skill guys healthy, I think the Raiders are going to be a force to reckon with because they're going to move the ball and score on people. The question is, can the guy on the other side of the ball defensively stop anybody? Hacksaw is our guest with the Chargers. Washington with a costly fumble on their end of the field where they could have ate a lot more clock and maybe put that game away. What would you like and dislike about that Chargers performance? That's a big win at a conference on the other side of the country for them. Well, they were playing one of the most anemic offensive teams in the league, so the Chargers should have won. Uh, the Chargers came as advertised. They did everything that Brandon Staley told me they were going to do once the season got started in terms of tempo, ball distribution, run the football, throw the football, throw the football to a wide variety of people. Justin Herbert is brilliant. The protection was really good. I think that's the best protection I've seen in a long period of time. They've, they've got glitches at right tackle where Brian Bulaga went out after the third series, and that's just a history of his physical failings. I still think there's some linkage defensively that scares me in the secondary. They're really young, even though they got Derwin James. Linebackers were active, and I'll tell you the scariest thing is to see Joey Bosa line up outside, stand up. Like he gets shot out of a cannon and gets free runs at quarterbacks. Uh, you know, I, they've, they've found something as a unique way to, to stage Bosa in the defense. That being said, they won. They won by a short margin. Here comes Dak. Here comes Dallas. And by the way, at SoFi Stadium, you think there'll be a few people wearing cowboy blue to honor the star. That's still a problem for the Chargers in terms of home field support, lack of fan support. And I think this weekend will be the first example of still what I maintain was an embarrassment that the league should have never let the Chargers leave San Diego to go to L.A. They may sell a lot of tickets, but they're selling the tickets to the enemy's fans. And I just think it's going to be harder and harder. But Justin Herbert, the real deal as advertised. Hacksaw joined us. Uh, Hacksaw, I'm amazed. I picked Bill, the Bills to win the Super Bowl. That's my pick. I'm more shocked that they shut out Pittsburgh in the first half and were up 10 nothing and got dominated in the second half. If they lose the game and it's a you know late play or something happens on a late kick, I can deal with it. But for Buffalo to be up 10 nothing and only end up with 16 points, what would you see in that game looking at the tape? Well, you got you got to play four quarters against Mike Tomlin's team and historically mm -hmm. they've always made, you know, made adjustments. Uh is a very different older quarterback right now. There's experience. He's in a very much different physical state. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be intrigued to see if they've really developed the running game that they used to have that they have not had in the last couple of years. There's no doubt they got skilled people. Offensive line is in flux. I mean, they really purged that thing. But on the other side of the ball, they got defense and they got T.J. Watt and they got Cam Hayward and they got linebackers who can run. And they're just going to beat your brains out. It's going to be hard for teams, I think, to score. A little bit surprised Buffalo was not a little bit more on the edge 
for four full quarters in that game, but it only counts as one. Uh, I don't think it's going to haunt the Bills. The Bills are still pretty good as long as they don't have any injuries on the defensive side of the ball. Hacksaw, who's in more trouble, the Colts or the Titans? Titans got manhandled at home by Arizona, and the Colts really struggled. They didn't look like themselves at all in that game on both sides of the ball. Who's in more trouble? J.T. Carson Wentz factor. I just think there's going to be a slow learning curve there. He's not Phillip Rivers in terms of astuteness and recognition and play calling and knowledge. Uh, Indy did not have a good training camp. A lot of guys nicked up, including a bunch in the offensive line, so that bears watching. You know, on the the other other side, defensively, they still got Darius Leonard. That's still a really good football team. I don't understand what happened in Nashville. I mean, the Titans added Julio Jones, and he was MIA and got criticized by his own coach. But at the end of the day, they still got Tannehill. They still got Derrick Henry. They still got a bunch of uh, tough as uh, cement blocks in the offensive line. I, 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 ten, I still think Tennessee's going to have a really good season, but that was a stunner for them to play as poorly as they played at home. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton's our guest. Lee, I was shocked by Green Bay. I mean, this Aaron Rodgers thing came home to roost. He, when he admitted that the energy level wasn't there, I almost fell off my chair. I, he cannot say that. He, he can say anything. It's a loss. It's one game. He played poorly. He cannot be the leader of that franchise and admit that the energy level wasn't ready again in a hot, warm-weather city. He mentioned the Chargers a couple of years ago in that effort. What are you reading into his body language, his attitude, his offseason? And could Green Bay be here in trouble, or are they just going to flip the switch and be good again? I think they'll be good before we're done as long as they don't have any injuries to the core players. But I'll use the word distraction. I just think what happened this entire offseason has turned into a negative. The fact that Rodgers did not play a snap in preseason, along with some of the other guys, Devontae Adams included, I think that's an issue. They just did not seem to have the edge and be ready, but there's still 16 more of these to come. Uh, you know, and I think that the cloud cover, you know, asked the question, is this his final year? Has, has he created mm-hmm. such an uproar in Green Bay that maybe there's distrust of the coaching staff or maybe dislike of the front office, and is that going to spill over to other parts of that locker room if the season goes bad? So Rodgers will be Rodgers. He's got to rally this thing back emotionally. He's got to do it himself to jumpstart this thing. But 16 weeks to go, I still think the Packers will be one of the better teams in the NFC. But, you know, there are so many other storylines. You've got Tampa Bay, which has now been together for a year plus, for Tom Brady to digest everything that Bruce Arians likes. And I'll be intrigued to see New Orleans and Jameis Winston and the impact of Sean Payton on what Winston becomes because there's no doubt that he's a dynamic, physical force guy, but we also know Jameis Winston throws touchdowns and throws lots of interceptions. Will he solve that under the hard coaching of Sean Payton? That's a storyline I think is going to be fascinating to watch as, as we go forward. Lee, HacksawHamilton.com, one man's opinion, Hacksaw's headlines, the best 15 minutes. I look at it several times a day, best content in all of sports radio. Hacksaw, finally with this, from a media perspective, what do you think of all these gambling commercials? You remember back in the day, you've been in Southern California forever. Vegas was off limits. As a player, you had to be careful. You couldn't go. You couldn't be spotted in a casino, let alone the entire league now. Now Roger Goodell's at Allegiant Stadium. Every commercial is for a gambling website or a sports book app, and this is something that's changed in your lifetime. How, how do you watch this? What do you think is going to happen with gaming in the NFL going forward? It's a money grab. 
everything about the National Football League is a dollar bill, and I understand where they're going with it. Now, obviously, there's a difference between you and I placing bets versus something influencing a player, and I hope we never, ever have to have that kind of conversation. It a little, it, it overwhelmed me a little bit, you know, jumping around game to game on television and watching him. And every every first ad was about this app, that gambling thing, pick this, pick that. I, it kind of wore me out. I guess maybe I'll get used mm-hmm. to it. But hey, the bottom line is, the NFL is all about the dollar, and this is just another creative thing that they've allowed the league to put its arms around to generate enormous more cash flow. Last one with the Rams. I'll leave you on this note. You mentioned the Chargers and the Cowboy fans that are going to be there. Really look good for Stafford in that first game. The crowd, it was packed. It was Ram fans there. Do they have something going here? Are you buying into them? Are they better than the Niners, Cardinals, and the Seahawks? Uh, Handicap the Rams going forward. Really tough division, no doubt about that. I will say this. Matthew Stafford has right now what he never had in Detroit aside from Megatron Calvin Johnson. He has talent around him. You look at the combined wide receiver core tight end grouping, and that's really special. And they got Sonny Michel to go with the other young running back, Henderson. He's never had that kind of productivity at running back. He's big. He's tough. He's built like an oak tree. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's mobile. He's fiery. He's intelligent. I mean, he, he is everything that the former quarterback, Jared Goff, was not on a consistent basis. He's just cut from a, a veteran's different cloth. I think this is going to be fun going forward. Obviously, what they've got at, at that defensive tackle spot uh, is absolutely phenomenal. What Aaron brings at number 99 is special. The only glitch, you're going to have injuries as we started our newsmaker call. They lost five to six veteran guys off that defense. A bunch of them were off the bench guys who participated, contributed, and, and, and were difference makers when they got their snaps. That's the concern that Sean McVay has to have. What will they be defensively if they start to get guys dinged up? But, boy, I'll tell you what, Stafford must think he's died and gone to heaven based on where he's playing, the heritage of the franchise, and what is around him. And they better win in the next couple of years, JT, because Les Snead, the general manager, who's bold, has auctioned off everything in the future. They, I don't think they have a number one pick until 2026 or 2027. So if it's going to get done, it's got to happen in the next couple of years. But I think because that is Matthew Stafford rather than Jared Goff, I do think it can get done. I agree with everything you said. One man's opinion, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Talk to you in a few weeks. Thank you, Lee. My pleasure as always, JT. Be well. You got it. Hacksaw. Great to have him on every two weeks. It is just a plethora of information. It just comes at you hard. Those are the type of guests I have. Breaking news, former Nevada Governor Brian Sandoval tests positive for COVID-19. In the article, Sandoval went on to say he received his COVID vaccinations earlier in the spring. The former state governor was at Allegiant Stadium on Monday night when the Raiders played Baltimore and he lit the torch. Breaking news, former Nevada Governor Brian Sandoval tests positive for COVID-19, according to News 13 KTNV. That just came down. Very interesting. Johnny Katz also reporting that. He reports that his positive test was this morning. He tested negative Thursday. Brian Sandoval testing positive for COVID-19. When we come back, we'll recap the show. We'll tell you what we have lined up tomorrow. Some of the guests we have here the rest of the week. 
and how you can be involved in our show. Brought to you by Sam and Ash, my personal injury attorneys. An accident is incredibly stressful. Handling an insurance claim is overwhelming. Not for Sam and Ash. They do this. They're the best in town. Call them. 702-820-1234. SamandAshLaw.com. You just try to adapt to the schedule. Do the best you can. We'll try to stay on a normal week's schedule. Wednesday's practice will be tomorrow. We'll modify it, obviously. We'll not be in pads and and not do a lot of physical contact this week because uh, of the short week. But we got to get our guys physically ready first, and we got to get familiarized with our opponent second because they're, they're an outstanding football team. Here we go. John Gruden once again needing his players to be available with all the injuries. Line opened up Pittsburgh minus five and a half. That's where it remains. Minus five and a half for Pittsburgh at home. A movement in the total. Uh, line went from 49 initially to 47. And I also, I love the over in the first game. I told you that. I love the over in the first game with Lamar Jackson. I figured Carr would have to get into a shootout in this game. Don't know, but I like the under because I think the Raiders are probably going to be conservative in this game. They're going to chip block T.J. Watt. They're going to want to run it a bunch. They're going to be very careful in this game. I'm going to say it here the rest of the week. I think the Raiders need to manage this game and get to halftime. Just get to halftime with a manageable score and play a great half of football the second half, and they can steal this one. Pittsburgh's a heavy favorite at home. Got to get everybody healthy. I'll be with John Gruden tomorrow for our weekly interview for the Silver and Black Show. We'll play it here on Friday. Thanks to all of our partners who are out there. You can catch me every night on Sirius XM 82, Mad Dog, from 7 to 10 p.m. And catch us at JT the Brick on Twitter and on Facebook. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. Barry Sims, Daniel Carlson, Scott Kaplan, and Hacksaw. That's what we do. We give you two hours of fast-paced radio. And we thank all of our partners with new partners jumping on board this week. Have a great day, everybody. Cue on deck into Vinny Bay. You guys have a good day, man. See you.